0: What's up teamigos and welcome to Optimized, the show that teaches you all things tea and how it can optimize longevity, recovery, and performance. My name is Vince Lapalusa and I am your host and guide on this tea journey. And today we're diving all into matcha. <sighs> I love matcha. Some call me a matcha matcha man, and frankly, I'm excited about this episode. So today we're going to dig into three topics on matcha specifically. First being the history, what actually is matcha, and its past uses within historical tenses. Uh, The second being the unique health benefits of matcha, and the third being what you, the consumer, needs to know when purchasing matcha, etc. So, without further ado, let's dig into what is matcha. In Japanese, the term matcha actually translates literally to powdered tea. So, mat, the first M-A-T portion of matcha, is powdered. And cha in Japanese means tea. So it's powdered tea. And specifically matcha is a powdered green tea. So the specific type of green tea, because there are many types of green tea out there, the specific type is actually known as tencha. And we will probably do a later episode on tencha. But what we need to know right now is that tencha is a shaded green tea so the last roughly 14 days before harvest the tea leaves are shaded producing a sweeter taste and we'll get into why it's shaded in the health benefits area of this episode Um, but what we as consumers like to know is that it makes the tea sweeter so this is a powdered tencha, so what they do is after they harvest the tencha leaves, dry them, remove the stems and the seeds, powder it up, you have yourself matcha. That's a very basic level. In this episode, we're going to give a high, high level of what matcha is. So the little bit of the history of matcha is that it was actually first brought to Japan and made popular after it was brought to Japan in around 1100 A.D., Um, before then it was a Chinese thing and a Buddhist monk, a Zen Buddhist monk actually traveled to China, learned about matcha, brought it to Japan and it became extremely popular in Japan. And specifically one of the regions that is highly regarded as being the most popular for matcha is the Uji region. That's UJI. And it's again highly regarded as the best matcha from there now there are a few other regions in japan that produce very high quality matcha um, but uji specifically is because the area that these tea leaves and tea bushes actually grow is a forested area and as mentioned the specific tea leaves that are used need to be shaded within the last 14-ish days um, before harvest And so because this was naturally the case in these areas in Uji, they became the most highly regarded area for matcha. Now we've optimized ways of harvesting and growing the tea leaves where you don't actually need natural shading. People can shade it to the level that they want based on coverings. But that's something that's uh, super important just to understand kind of as a consumer and historically where it's come from. And when it was brought to Japan, as, as I mentioned, it was brought by a Zen Buddhist monk. And what this, what this man found is that by working with this tea during his meditations, he was able to excel In his meditations, which is kind of ironic because meditation, really, there's no goal. But it was due to like the caffeine level of it and some of these unique properties that we'll dig into with the health benefits, this person was able to level up their meditation and enlighten themselves a little bit better. So it became extremely popular within the Zen Buddhist monk type practice, as well as the warrior or samurai practice as well. Uh, it became a popular tradition before going into battle that warriors and samurais would actually perform this tea ceremony um, to prep them for the battle, get them into this this flow state. And we'll see why this tea has this unique capability to do this for these, for these people. Um, and that leads me into the tea ceremony. Now, the tea ceremony is something that was developed by these warriors and monks alike. And there are many different styles of the tea ceremony, of the matcha tea ceremony, and different schools of thought of like how to specifically do certain th- aspects of the tea ceremony. That being said, they are all founded in the basis of a few things. One... Bringing it back to simplicity, bringing it back to a grounding state, um, and really just quieting the mind, quieting the body, coming into the present moment. It was a very, it was a meditative practice because every single movement in the tea ceremony has a specific meaning. Every single sound in the tea ceremony has a specific meaning. The lighting, the textures, the equipment the temperature, the people, everything has a very specific meaning. I've heard from people who've studied this, that it's actually extremely stressful to be the tea master when learning this because you want to, every single movement, every single piece has such a specific role that you don't want to mess it up and you can mess it up. Um, because there's there's really these different schools of thoughts. And we're not going to get into these different schools of thoughts. Again, more high level right now. Um, but something that's super interesting. And that takes us to this second part, the health benefits. These unique health benefits that matcha provide. And this is frankly one of the reasons that I got super into matcha was because I noticed that it was such a different experience than other teas that I've uh, had the fortune of, of trying in my life. And the reason being, again, it's a powdered tea. With most tea, you get the tea leaves and you infuse the tea leaves and it extracts into the water the properties, the caffeine, the amino acids, the tannins, everything like that. That's usually what you get when you infuse the tea leaves. Now, matcha, you're actually consuming the tea leaves. So what this does is it actually boosts the caffeine. So the caffeine content within matcha, roughly a serving size is about two grams of matcha powder. You, it, within that two grams is about 100 grams of caffeine, give or take. Obviously, it depends on how much you actually use. But that's quite high. That's around like a cup of coffee. And so you get this elevated energy from matcha. But if you've ever experienced matcha, you will know that it's not like a cup of coffee. It has very, very different feelings. And why is that? Well, scientifically and something that we understand now is that it also contains a compound known as L-theanine. Now, L-theanine is an amino acid that is extremely unique to only tea. Tea and some mushroom varieties, but predominantly in tea. And because this tea, specifically matcha, is shaded, the L-theanine actually boosts or gets elevated within the tea itself. This creates a higher level of L-theanine, a higher level of that sweetness. Uh, the sweetness comes from the chlor- from the chlorophyll that actually builds up within in the tea leaves as well. But this L-theanine is a unique amino acid that can actually break the blood-brain barrier along with caffeine. And what it does, real briefly, is it competes with caffeine for a spot within the brain. So instead of getting a spike from the caffeine and a drop-off from the caffeine, you have this L-theanine and this caffeine competing for spots within the brain. And it will then lead to a gradual increase of energy and a gradual decrease of energy. This is why people say that they feel so much calmer but focused with tea instead of coffee or yerba mate or other caffeine or caffeinated beverages. So I love l personally. I think it's a extremely unique aspect of tea and why I am a tea drinker and not a coffee drinker or another type of caffeinated beverage. The other thing that is extremely unique about, about matcha is this compound. And again, this these two compounds, L-theanine and the next one that I'm gonna say are within all tea, just in matcha specifically, they're elevated. They're some of the highest that you can find within tea. Um, and that compound that I'm also referencing is known as EGCG which is short for epigallocatechin gallate. Now this is a catechin that is responsible for all like the antioxidant properties that tea and matcha have. So it's one of the most dynamic, one of the most useful um, catechins and properties, antioxidants within tea and these all get elevated because of the shaded process and this is why it's such an important step one because of flavor but two because of these unique properties and so then this leads us to our final topic within matcha which is the which is what we need to know as the consumer especially if you've never sourced matcha before and you're interested in it so one I would always, always, always recommend sourcing from Japan. Japan has built up a reputation as the best matcha to buy from, or best place to buy matcha from. So if you can, buy from Japan. That being said, it's going to be expensive. Pretty much for any high-quality matcha, you're going to be spending at least $50 for like 30 grams of of matcha. And that's... uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth it. I think it's it's worth it. You're going to get a much sweeter, smoother, more complex flavor palette from this type of matcha. If you have ever experienced matcha and you're like, oh, it's too bitter, um few things you might be using too hot of a temperature for the water. Um, but two, it's probably a low-quality matcha. And the way you can kind of tell that, one, is typically the price – but people can jack up prices and still give you low quality stuff. Um, But two is actually the color of the matcha indicates many a times the quality. What we want as a consumer of matcha is obviously the highest quality and the highest quality is gonna be extremely vibrant, extremely in your face, neon green almost. If there is like a brownish yellowish tint to your matcha, probably low quality stuff and still good. It's still drinkable. Um, I would recommend staying away from it. Now, if you're going to look to using matcha in like smoothies and stuff like that, cool. That stuff might be good. You're still going to get the antioxidants out of it. You're still going to get the caffeine. Awesome. But if you're looking to mix matcha into hot water, just the traditional style, level up your game maybe and go for the higher quality stuff and all this being said a lot was discussed about the traditional use of matcha meaning there's the whole ceremonial aspect of it and there is you know it's a little intimidating um that is something that doesn't need to be the case matcha is awesome actually because it's a powdered tea so you can scoop it and put it into like a mason jar shake it up with some water and you're good to go. It can be as simple as that or it can be as complex as you'd like by ordering a bamboo whisk, ordering the traditional chasin which is the bowl that you typically drink it in and sitting down and taking some time with with your matcha. So it can be along that spectrum of how in-depth you want your matcha experience to be. So that's it. Those are the things that I think are highly important to know and understand about matcha. We can dig into each one of those even deeper, but understanding what it is, where it comes from, a little bit of the history about it, the unique health benefits of it, and as a consumer, what you should be looking out for. I think that those are super important. Thank you for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, And remember to take some time for yourself, enjoy a cup of tea, slow things down, and we'll see you in the next episode.